0: Nothing on this podcast is intended as legal advice, nor does it create an attorney client relationship. Please be advised that this podcast also contains spoilers and swears.
1: Welcome to Murder, She Woke, a podcast about the dozens of honest people in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Laura. And I am your other host, Elizabeth. So today we will be talking about season one, episode 12 of Murder, She Wrote, entitled Capital Offense, Capital spelled with an O, uh, which is a nice little play on words of capital offense, which is an offense whereby the punishment could be death.
0: That's correct. And this episode is very near and dear to my heart, just because I live 45 minutes away from Washington, DC. I go there often enough to to think that I know what's going on. And I know enough people who work in there to fancy myself, some kind of DC adjacent person. So I'm really excited about this episode. It was a fun-filled episode for sure. Before we begin, how how was your week? Well, I guess it's been two weeks because this is only the second episode we've been doing since we both got back from sabbatical.
1: So my weeks have been pretty good. I've been really busy, but not so much with work stuff last week like I had an like a doctor's appointment like every single day it was just one of those weeks where I was exhausted even though I didn't really do anything
0: yeah I feel that way too except I don't actually do anything but I did have one of those weeks a couple months ago where I had like five doctor's appointments and they were all different things I went to the dermatologist because I went sunbathing and I didn't wear enough sunscreen So I legit ended up with what looks like a Hitler mustache in (laughs) like a sunburn on my upper lip. So for like a couple of weeks, I was like walking around with a legit mustache and makeup wouldn't cover it that well. Oh my God. It was so embarrassing.
1: Wait. So did you go to the dermatologist because you went sunbathing
0: once without sunscreen? It's because I ended up with a mustache and (laughs) something, it was like discoloration in the skin called melasma or something. And I was so embarrassed. And then he just made fun of me for freaking out about it. I'm like, I'm about to go on vacation. I can't look like Hitler. So that was, that was exciting. Now that we're ready to dive in, we're going to, we're going to try again with our uh, new format. I'm going to try to let Laura be as succinct as possible with a recap, and then we'll kind of meander our way through observations and legal discussions after that. So
1: you're ready to rock and roll. So I am going to try to summarize this episode, like you said, as succinctly as possible without doing a scene by scene recap replay. So guys, let us know what you think. In this episode, Jessica goes to Washington, D.C. to fill in for a congressman that has just died of a heart attack. So the governor has appointed Jessica as interim congressman. And we'll unpack that later in the episode. Now, To go back a little bit and discuss the death of this congressman. So the episode starts out with three white dudes in this huge suite at the Watergate Hotel. Dude number one is just, he's a middle-aged white guy named Harry. He, to me, kind of looks like Norm MacDonald from SNL. But the actor was Tom Cruise's dad on Risky. Oh,
0: Good catch. I didn't even notice
1: that. Also, he has dead eyes. So I just named him Harry Dead Eyes.
0: He ended up being a lobbyist. I didn't have a good name for him, but that's, that's a good one for him.
1: The second guy, he's an older white guy, very nondescript. He looks like he's never had a thought enter his head. His name is Ray Dixon. I nicknamed him Dumb Dixon.
0: That's a good nickname. And I think the reason why he hasn't had a thought is because he can't, the hair gel and all the product and the bronzer he uses won't allow anything to escape from inside of him. So that's yes, why he, he can't have these thoughts or feelings.
1: He spends a lot of time getting ready in the morning. And, and then so the-
0: what is what does he do? What is his role?
1: I think he's head of operations at this company called pendrick food which will become relevant a little
0: later he's okay. like in charge of the food company and he's there to lobby congress with harry's help and i think that's how we end up in the watergate is they're trying to seduce a congressman
1: yes because the third guy that's in this hotel is another middle-aged white guy His name is Dan Kepner. I first started calling him Drunk Dan, but that really was not very compassionate. Also, he looks like the love child of Sylvester Stallone and Tony Danza, which coincidentally also looks like Jaws from James Bond. So Uh. I just referred to him as Jaws throughout the entire episode.
0: And I think Jaws is actually a pretty sympathetic character uh, towards the end of Moonraker. And then there are
1: also a couple of ladies that were in the room. The the important one is a blonde lady. Her name's Marta. I'm not really sure why she was invited. I guess, you know, for a party, you gotta have a lady. But so Jaws is drunk and all three of these guys are arguing or talking about a bill that they are that's going up before congress soon and they're waiting on another congressman to get there that's congressman joiner during this like argument marta is surreptitiously taking pictures with her cigarette lighter and when congressman joiner finally arrives coincidentally he's another old white guy he's pissed because they've gotten jaws drunk and then he threatens to go to the ethics
0: committee I'm not really sure with what. Other pin in this, and I will talk about the ethics committee a little bit later. So guys, just stay tuned.
1: And then Joyner and dumb Dixon start arguing. And then Joyner has a heart attack and he kills over and dies. Like all three of the guys are standing over Joyner's body. Jaws wants to call the police. But the other two guys are saying no, they want to just move him into his bed.
0: I'm going to put a pin on this. Blonde lady, I named her board lady. She is taking pictures of them moving the body. Mm-hmm. So that is also a fun fact to keep in mind for later.
1: Yes so the next scene is when uh, the governor's aide comes to cabot cove to convince jessica to go to dc to fill in for congressman joiner so now we're in dc and we meet a few people so we meet joe who is the press agent slash jessica's driver he is very charming charismatic handsome he has great hair and beard and fancy as fuck driving gloves. He's also a ladies' man. Just within the 45 minutes of the show, he has two hot dates, one with a lady from the SEC who drops stock tips on him, and then another hot date with a lady from the state. We also later meet Diana, who was Congressman Joyner's administrative assistant, Jessica decides to keep all of Congressman Joyner's
0: staff. Diane, she's probably in her early 40s. So I have the same problem with her that I had with Vicky in episode, was it, four, where she can tell from her face that she's kind of youngish, but she Mm -hmm. dresses like she's 100. Yes. So based on the fact that she's unmarried being a secretary, I wouldn't put her like older than 30. She is dressed very, she is dressed like a fuddy duddy, but she has an amazing pussy bow blouse. And And like
1: her ruffle game is strong.
0: Oh my God. I made note of the ruffles. I think that's in like a following scene, but she had like a legit, like a jacket on with just like this ruffle and it looked perfect. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I guess because she's just she's so organized and she's very much like a tight ass. So
0: maybe she comes off as being older than she really, she seems very timid and she assumes right off the bat that Jessica is going to get rid of Joyner's staff and fill in with her own. So she basically takes the proactive step of resigning. Whereas Jessica kind of sees that she's you know a little timid and a little kind of uncertain of the situation and kind of tries to reassure her. So I think part of the reason why she seems so old is cuz she is a tight ass and she seems scared of her own shadow at first, but mm-hmm. she kind of grows into a little bit more of a human being as the episode goes on. Yeah. which is pretty cool. And then also
1: Jessica and jaws meet at some time. They have a a short, brief conversation. They're on a lot of the same committees. And Joyner was one of Jaws's best friends. So we cut to Diana and Jessica are meeting in Jessica's new office. And this office is everything that I imagined an office in Capitol Hill would look like in the 80s. It's dark wood, lots of trim. It's not wood paneling, it's actual wood very nice trim but then the uh, the carpet is dark there's also what i like to think of is an accountant's lamp it's like it's the green lamp or the lamp with the green shade over it and i oh, just yeah. imagine accountants using this lamp so diana and jess are in this office just talking getting to know each other and dead-eyed Harry comes in with roses and offers to take Jessica to lunch. Can,
0: can uh, you, whenever Jessica meets Jaws in Congress, first of all, she's walking through the the Capitol building, kind of gawking at everything because you know this is such a hallowed and special place, which I guess it's supposed to be, but not lately. Whenever she meets jaws he brings up the main cannery bill which mm-hmm. is something that will come into play later and we'll actually throw throughout this episode and also that's kind of where a dead-eye dixon is involved or dumb dixon is involved so right. they they bring that up and i'm gonna reserve this question for later but i'm not sure why they need congressional approval to put in a cannery but here we are
1: so we are in Jessica's new office and dead-eyed Harry comes in, is trying to be super flattering, wants to take Jessica to lunch. And Jessica seems at first to be very excited and charmed about this, but then she looks over and Diana is shaking her head. No. So then Jessica politely refuses. Jessica later asks, you know, what's that all about? And Diana says that Harry is a lobbyist for Pendrake Foods
0: and he breaks all of the rules. So this actually sets us up for the funniest line of the show, in my humble opinion, which is Most lobbyists are good people. They know the rules. Harry not only breaks the rules, he's never heard of them. I'm really not sure how things were back in the eighties, but I can't imagine that was very true then, especially like in the middle of the Reagan years, but I digress. (laughs) I'll share my favorite line
1: once we get there. But later in the evening, Jessica is in bed and she gets a call from Joss. He's using a payphone at a bar and he wants to talk to her. It seems pretty urgent, but she's already in bed. So they make plans to meet for breakfast the next, the next morning. As Jaws is leaving the bar, Marta approaches him and he mistakes her for a sex worker. And she, in in his defense, she does look completely different. I didn't know it was the same lady at first.
0: I had no idea Um, either.
1: Her hair was down in in this scene. And when we first saw her, her hair was up in like a really nice updo. But Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know it was the same lady. And she hands... Jaws some photos and the photos are of all the guys at the Watergate hotel standing over Congressman Joyner's dead body. So she's blackmailing. So the next day, Jessica catches this guy that has been following her since she got to town. Uh, There were a couple of scenes where he was like being creepy and kind of stalking her and she picked up on it. So this scene, she catches him. And she asks him, what the hell is he doing? Turns out his name is Detective Lieutenant Avery Mendelssohn. He is by far my favorite lieutenant to date. And he is investigating Congressman Joyner's death because the body was moved, which is suspicious.
0: What I love about Lieutenant, I nicknamed him Lieutenant Beard, is because he has I wouldn't call him a hypochondriac, but he has this weird kind of conversation with his body because he <sighs> listens to, he he makes this big show of talking about like when his stomach rumbles, that means that he's not on the right track and he needs to look elsewhere. And he makes a comment about his back pain. And it's it's actually really funny because it comes up here and there, but it's, he's very matter of fact about it. And it actually seems mm-hmm. to be pretty Accurate. So, otherwise, you know, if this were a less likable person, I think it was stupid, but it actually works with the character really well. Yes.
1: Yes. He's very funny. He's Jewish. He mentions that two of his brothers are rabbis. He's got a brother that's a doctor. He's just, he's really funny. And my favorite line from the episode comes from him. But uh, a little later, there is a scene where Jaws wakes up in an alley and a homeless guy is searching his pockets jaws is dirty. His shirt is dirty. His hands are all cut up and bruised. Like he was in a fight. And then he starts chasing the homeless guy because he thinks the homeless guy stole his wallet and he runs out into traffic. And it just so happens that a couple of beat cops pass by. And apparently there's been like a bolo out on jaws. So they arrest jaws and they bring him in for questioning. So he's in front of Mendelssohn, Lieutenant Mendelssohn and Mendelsohn is questioning him and that's when Jaws learns and that's when we the audience find out that Marta was beaten to death the previous night and Jaws is looking pretty good for it because he's got the busted up he's got like the dirty he's got dirty shirt that's got like makeup and blood on it and they also found his jacket and I don't think this was clear but I think they found his jacket at the crime scene which was marta's apartment and yes. his jacket had his his wallet and a set of keys to marta's apartment
0: that's correct it was at her apartment so that's why okay. they had the bolo out on him because they found his jacket and they just assumed he had fled the scene
1: we're back at jessica's office and she and diana are discussing the cannery bill Jessica says it's a pretty complicated issue, but Diana counters with, oh, I don't know. It's just a case of business interests versus the environmentalists. And then they talk about Joyner's body and the fact that it was moved. And Jessica asks Diana about Joyner's whereabouts the night that he died. And Diana pulls out this scheduled calendar book from the front, from the like front drawer in the desk. And tells her that Joyner didn't have anything planned for that night, and he's not much into the nightlife scene. But she did did hear dead-eye Harry invite him to a party, but Joyner didn't really like Harry, so he declined. Then a little bit later, Jessica and Diana are walking to a committee meeting where we are interrupted by a guy named, no shit, Thor
0: Danzinger that's his name okay first of all that is a coolest shit name second <laughs> of all i wouldn't have put him as a thor like he does not look like a thor he looks maybe like an edward he does look like an edward he actually reminded me of fez from that 70s show 100 percent. but he and diana make this huge to-do about not liking each other and she right. tells He wants to talk to Mrs. Fletcher about some notes on the bill. And Diana tells him to get the fuck out of her way because he already had his chance.
1: After the committee meeting, Jessica, she's walking into her office to do so. She has to walk through Diana's office to get to her office. And she's all frazzled and she's really busy. And she's looking at a bunch of peak slips of missed messages. And then Joe, the press agent slash driver, is trying to convince her to have dinner with this lady named Kay Shepard, who is a well-known gossip columnist, but Jessica has no interest in meeting her. Then when she walks into her office, Lieutenant Mendelson is there, and he tells her that they have arrested Jaws on suspicion of murder. But this is again, where one of Lieutenant Mendelssohn's ailments comes into play because he says there's something just not quite kosher and it's because his feet hurt and they question Jaws. Jaws says he agreed to move the body, but he didn't feel good about it. And that's why he called Jessica late that night is because he wanted to talk to her about it. He said he ducked into some bar to call her, but he couldn't remember which one. Then, as as he was leaving the bar, he was approached by Marta, who gave him the blackmail photos, and he was scared. So he followed her uh, to her apartment, and he was drinking ginger ale. She must have drugged him because he doesn't remember anything, and he just woke up in the alley. The next scene is Lieutenant Mendelson and Jess Jessica, and they go to the morgue and they look at Marta's body, and she was severely beaten. Like she had a broken nose, broken jawbone. Like it was kind of kind of descriptive and gross, I thought,
0: for a murder she wrote episode. It kinda of has to be, I feel like, just because what ends up being kind of the the point later is that Jaws didn't have enough makeup and blood residue on his hands to have given her that bad of a beating it right. had to have been pretty severe or it would have it wouldn't have gotten him off the hook spoiler for later so it, it is pretty graphic especially when they keep mentioning makeup over and mm-hmm. over again like for some reason that really grossed me out and then <laughs> right just just as this whole kind of demonstration with Officer Mendelson, where she pretends to strangle him from behind. She was in the morgue. She was
1: explaining to Lieutenant Mendelson that Jaws couldn't have killed Marta because he didn't have blood spatter on his shirt. He had a little bit of blood, but not spatter, uh, which would you would assume to find with a beating that badly. He also didn't have makeup on his hands. Now, what she does next is kind of theorizes that the real killer dragged Jaws into the alleyway from behind. So kind of like imagine someone doing the Heimlet and this so the killer would have had kind of the makeup and the blood on his hands and from behind grabbed Jaws. So that's how Jaws got the makeup and the blood on his shirt.
0: I was actually going to ask that because I realized that I hadn't accounted for it. So just oh, aside. Sure. Thank you. Do I you mean to talk no about problem. the fact that Jaws is actually a recovering alcoholic and he is, or was an AA and Diana is dishing the dirt on him. And apparently mm-hmm. it's like the worst kept secret ever. He was <laughs> pretty much, you know, the worst drunk ever, and then he spent six years in AA. But over the past month or so, I guess his wife had left him and took taken the kids, and he went back to drinking. And this actually eventually almost turns into an after school special, like later in the episode when Jess ta- was talking to Diana. But that's a that's a little bit later. It's definitely a turn to camera. This is your brain. This is your brain on
1: drugs. Okay. So yes, Jessica, Diana, and Joe were all having a conversation where Diana is dishing out Jaws's past. And then Jessica tasks Joe with finding out info on Marta. So now, next scene, Jessica and Lieutenant are looking around Marta's apartment. There really isn't much to see except Jessica finds an old photo of Marta on her high school cheerleading squad and Diana is also on in the photo. Jessica also notices that the tie pin that Thor wore, Thor wore uh-huh, was, like, It was the same mascot symbol on the cheerleading uniform. So
0: she puts it together that all three of
1: them know each other, that they probably know each other.
0: We had gotten an earlier scene too, where it was obvious that Diana and Thor knew one another because Diana was not scolding. Diana was making noise about some pictures of Thor with Marta in bed. And he claims that they were fake and... That's supposed to be kind of an ominous thing.
1: Jessica like pus- puts it together that Diana and Thor are in a relationship. And then when confronted about it later, Thor says that all three of them were very close in high school, but Marta fell into the wrong crowd. Also, someone is trying to blackmail Thor with fake photos of him and Marta in bed together. He later alludes to the fact that she drugged him. And that's how the photos were taken. And then Thor wanted to go to the police, but he was afraid he would be a prime suspect. And also Diana and Thor, when they were explaining the situation to the lieutenant, Jessica comes to the conclusion that whoever Marta was working for was the person that probably killed
0: her. Can, can, we, can we talk about the scene where she decides to have lunch with Kay Shepard? Yes. So why <laughs> don't said, you tell us about this scene? So Kay Shepard, I guess she's supposed to be some kind of exalted go- gossip columnist. She's syndicated in 98 newspapers, according to Joe. She has this big, like, poofy hair and this ridiculous hat. And she has a fucking lap cat. Like a legit fluffy white cat that she is holding in her lap at a fucking public restaurant. Right. She is a lap cat. This is life. (laughs) And I'm like, how do you get a cat to sit there for more than like 15 seconds without like ripping your eyeballs out? So I thought that was wonderful, but she apparently has some. Go dirt to dish but she can't go to the police so she and Jessica are wink wink nod nodding at each other about all this supposed subterfuge that's going on and apparently she was able to catch Marta and dumb Dixon fighting outside the Watergate a couple of nights prior to Marta's death so that is an interesting little tidbit that we pick up. And obviously Kay Shepard doesn't want to ruin her reputation by going to the cops.
1: I have said that after, like when I have to go back to the office, I'm going to have to get my cat certified as an emotional support animal, because I can't imagine being without him for eight hours. So I, I, I know what Kay Shepard's going through.
0: Well, I mean, her cat is not named Catechus Finch. So (laughs) your cat is superior in that respect. Right. And it's Sir Catechus Finch. Oh, well, pardon me. (laughs) He
1: he is royalty. So after the lunch with Jessica and Marta, Jessica's back at the office and Joe is very pleased to learn that she's just had lunch with Kay Shepard. But Joe hasn't really dug up a lot of information on Marta. All that he can give us is that she's worked six jobs in the past four years and that he, that she works the party circuit five to six times a week. Jess tells him to keep digging. The next morning, as Joe is driving Jessica to the Capitol, he provides her with more information that he dug up on Marta. He says that she picked Jaws up outside of Stockman's Bar at 9.30 on the night she was killed. And that she has no close friend. Now, later that morning, while she is discussing her itinerary for the day with Diana, Jessica has the Jay Fletch aha moment. And then she just abruptly leaves without really saying anything, even though we know that this cannery bill, is, the vote on it is taking place in less than two hours. We're not really sure where she went, but later we cut to a scene between her and Joe and they are in her office, and she is explaining the theory of the case and the murder to Joe. So her theory is that Kay Shepard claims there was a jilted boyfriend hanging around Marta's Marta's apartment when this boyfriend saw Jaws go inside. A little while later, he saw another man go inside He can't confirm who it is, but they all presume it's dumb Dixon. Now, she also, Jessica also says that her theory is dumb Dixon must have saw Jaws passed out. He killed Marta because Marta was blackmailing him too, and then framed Jaws for the murder. So Jessica suggests that Dixon probably took some of the blackmail photos himself, and that he probably has copies of these photos at his apartment, and need to get in there to find these blackmail photos. And she suggests that after the committee vote, she and Joe will go to Lieutenant Mendelson and he'll get a search warrant. Now, Jess finally makes the committee meeting where they're about to vote on the cannery bill. She's late, so Joss has been stalling by just kind of reading like observations and statistics and a lot of boring shit. But she finally gets there, and then before the vote, She essentially admonishes uh, Pendrake Foods, which is Dumb Dixon and Dead-Eyed Harry for abandoning already existing cannery plants because it was advantageous in a tax manner to abandon them and then try to create or build a new cannery. Maybe you can expound
0: on the tax implications a little bit later. I've got a bone to pick with that. So I'm like super glad that you brought it up and not me. But it comes out later.
1: She voted no. So the environmentalists win. So we see the real killer breaking into someone's apartment. We just like see the hand. So we don't know who it is. And then the camera pans up to the face.
0: Say it ain't so, Joe. Say it ain't so. Can I just say one thing that I think was a huge missed opportunity here? And I can understand, I guess, maybe why they didn't do it. If the show is trying to stay like acceptable for all audiences, Mm -hmm. I really wish they would have put tape on the door, like a la Watergate (laughs) there. He's breaking into the Watergate. And I know we're supposed to notice that and be like, ha, ha, ha but if you would have just put the tape over the lock, I just would have laughed my ass off. And that that would have been a great nod. Missed opportunities. They should consult me next time.
1: Joe is breaking into dumb Dixon's apartment to leave blackmail photos. So Joe can kind of, Frame Dixon for all of this. But Jessica and Lieutenant catch him in the act. At first, Joe says that he broke into the apartment to retrieve the photos and he found them there. Like, hey guys, look, look what I found. I found these photos. But Jessica brings up again, and and I want to unpack this later, but she is certain that the person Marta was working for killed her. And then she mentions the fact that Marta probably got greedy. And then Jessica also says she noticed that Joe never wore those fancy as fuck driving gloves after Marta died. And that was because Joe was wearing them when he killed Marta with his bare, bare hands
0: and And it's really hard to get blood and makeup out of suede.
1: And also just looked up earlier that morning in the car when he said that Marta picked up jaws from Stockman's bar. Because Jaws did not know what bar he was at when he called Jessica. So only Marta and the killer could have known that. And what's interesting to me is that Joe really doesn't make a full confession. He says some weird and creepy things. Like his demeanor completely changes and he turns super creepy
0: and he starts like whispering reminded me of Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs yeah like that kind of like dead-eyed look where he's kind of like talking in the half whisper and he's like well you know you're all corrupt I'm just the one who's honest about it saying that like you guys are all corrupt too so what if I am kind of thing which is the impression that I got from that little sidebar of his and he said that I buy
1: and sell people. And then this one super creeped me out. He says.
0: And I was doing real well too. Until Marta got just a little bit too big for her of Okay. Yeah, that I, was when I got the Hannibal Lecter vibes. Yeah, he should have just gone. And. She has the line where she like turns, almost turns to camera as if to make us feel better. As if to say, yes, there are bad people in Washington, but for every bad person, there are dozens, dozens of great people. Oh, stop booing!
1: There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens!
0: That is the episode. So let's start unpacking this. Why don't you go first? I would just like it on the record that as a tax person, tax things, yes, they are complicated. Yes, you do have to have special training, but people are so lazy that they, in a situation like this, they just claim, oh, it's, it's more advantageous tax wise to do x instead of y without going into any specifics they couldn't like mm. think of another reason why they did it well maybe they there was a union in that town and they didn't want to deal with them or maybe there was some other reason why they had to abandon like six canneries they're just like oh no tax reasons <laughs> it, it kind of sticks in my craw a little bit because it's it's a lazy throwaway reason so i have, yeah. I have that grape I didn't taxes think are more it. interesting than you give them credit for guys <laughs>
1: yeah you're right I mean if someone says because of tax reasons no one's going to question that
0: 45 minutes later somebody's going to be like looking up the code and like counting on their fingers and being like oh you're right that does you know profit long-term depreciation over a period of 20 years and blah 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 and no no their eyes are going to glaze over I would have much rather seen like some kind of plot line, like with, I don't know, union busting, or there was like a fire at the, like a a fire at one of the canneries and it burned it. I don't know. I would have seen something a little juicier.
1: Toxic waste was running into
0: a stream. She mentions that it would have cost a lot of money to update them. Is it going to cost more money to update these things than it is to throw in? or to build a brand new cannery. Right. This is another question that I had mentioned earlier. Is like, why do you need a congressional, why do you need congressional approval (laughs) to build a fucking cannery? Like that was never explained.
1: Right. Unless like it was on federal land. I mean, basically like if you want to build a cannery, you buy the land, you make sure it's not zoned for a specific purpose, or if it is, you get a, an exemption and then you make your, make your cannery. Yeah. Also, and also, how many canneries can there be in Maine and what are they canning?
0: Fish. I've never had canned fish because I don't like fish that much, but people eat anything out of cans
1: i mean i do eat canned tuna
0: and eh, maybe that's a reason maybe maybe you shouldn't be so high and mighty about canned fish
1: i was just thinking like canned fish like canned peaches i don't know like i was i don't i was thinking like nice and seasoned and pickled and
0: and then i thought of just like a whole fish in it i could see like from the environmental angle but this wouldn't be the place to do it right like if there were some serious issue with like an endangered species or something like let's say they were building on land and there's a type of bird that only lives three places in the u.s Mm -hmm. and one of those places is right where this cannery is supposed to be that's more of a job for the courts than it is for congress right right
1: and yes they didn't make the federal requirement apparent and
0: not to sound like maine doesn't matter because i know it does to all of our listeners in maine but why the fuck would anybody from new york like congressman jaws why would he give a shit about what's happening in maine that doesn't affect his his constituents
1: Unless it's like one of those things that politicians love to do where they're like, hey, you vote yes on this bill and I'll vote yes on your bill.
0: I can see that. And that would make sense. But again, I'm going to revert back to this is not a matter for Congress. And they're not even on the floor of Congress. They're just getting something out of committee. Right. So the stakes... They're high, but they're not that high. Like for for all of you who haven't seen Schoolhouse Rock, a bill gets, and then the committee votes whether to send it to the floor of the House. And if the committee says no, then it either goes back for revisions or it just dies. But after this, like, let's say they would have all voted Yes. It would have only gone to the floor of the house and then the house would have had to have passed it and the Senate would have had to have passed it and the president would have had to either sign it or veto it. If you have a bone to pick with this episode, what do you, what do you think? The main issue I have with this case
1: is that Jessica twice says it's obvious that whoever Marta was working for killed her. And I just
0: don't know how she connected those dots. We just learned that he killed her. We didn't really learn what the dynamic of the relationship was like, whether she did something to piss him off besides getting too big for her pantyhose. (laughs) So I think Marta was just doing the, the dirty work so Joe's
1: hands could stay clean. I think he was just going around and blackmailing congressmen and when are you
0: collecting like little little books of whatever to use on them like dirt yeah. books or burn books Oh, burn books yeah that kind of seems and, like a really kind of small and like kind of pathetic motive right almost. it's again like it's lazy it, it's weird because they do this juxtaposition between these hallowed halls of congress and the respect for the legislative process and all lobby- lobbyists are okay because they know the rules but then you juxtapose it with this kind of comic book villain whose only job is to blackmail people for no specific reason <laughs> I feel like this episode was kind of like couldn't figure out what it wanted to do <laughs> yeah yeah I think is for the same reason they didn't mention parties at all If Mm -hmm. you'll remember, like, at the beginning, whenever that nerd was talking to Jessica about filling the seat, he didn't mention the party, and I understand that maybe they were trying to stay neutral so that all the people who watched Murder, She Wrote wouldn't be mad at each other, and I realized the 80s were a different political climate, but I Mm -hmm. just think, honestly, this was 10 years after Watergate, like, everybody knew Washington was just a garbage dump of terrible people.
1: I am not at all interested in politics. I did watch House of Cards except for the last season, but it was just kind of hard for me to understand. I don't understand all the backhandedness and the underdealings
0: and it's just hard for me to follow. But like watching like the West Wing, kind of an idealized version of Washington and people standing up for what's right and these are the good guys and crusaders for justice and the president really wants what's best. Like, come on, nobody fucking believes that. I don't know. This is turning out to be a little bummer of an episode, but (laughs) I mean, I I just feel like with the way everything's been going, I'm like, come on, Murder, She Wrote. Like you want to be edgy. I can see you're trying to do it, but you failed. I, I got a lot of problems with this episode. Okay. But to lighten the mood a
1: little bit, I do want to say my favorite line
0: What's and that? it
1: was, it was by detect or Lieutenant Mendelssohn when he and Jessica were having tea, he says something about the Fox loose in the China shop where oh, yeah. he's conflating two idioms, the, you know, a hint or a Fox loose in the hen house and then a bull in a China shop, which I loved because it sounds like something I would do. I once said that train has sailed and oh, that's a good one. So, and, and now I just
0: say it all the time. So that phenomenon actually has a name. It's called a malaphor, which is when you merge two figures of speech and you end up with something ridiculous. Like my favorite one is one my dad uses a lot where he says, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. That sounds like a lyric from a fallout boy song. I, I guess the one other kind of loose end is at the beginning, it's kind of almost implied that there is like foul play involved with Congressman Joyner's death. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that, kind of train of thought is just gone. Like it it like disappears like a third of the way through the episode and it's never brought up again.
1: And why did those guys want to move the body? Like what the guy had a heart attack. Why couldn't they have just called the ambulance? This whole, this whole episode could have been avoided. I just don't get what they were benefiting from hiding the fact that <laughs> Congressman Joyner had a heart attack at Dom Dixon's hotel in the water. Is it because they're not, it it can't be because lobbyists and congressmen
0: can't associate. Well, they can, but I think they thought the optics were bad. There's no foul play. What's the big deal? It's like they're making a situation that isn't great into a big deal because yeah if they hadn't moved the body then there wouldn't be anything to blackmail they'd be like congressman has heart attack at weird party like okay like everybody goes to those parties
1: so again more laziness i think yeah this so i brought up earlier the ethics committee oh yeah Joyner wanted to go to the ethics committee. What do you think that
0: was about? I think that he thought there was some kind of like sneaky dealing going on with the lobbyists and Dixon, but then I Mm -hmm. wonder if the reason why, so I know a lot of times lobbyists have to be registered Mm -hmm. and, but I'm, I feel like I'm giving them too much credit and I'm thinking too far into it because he's trying to imply that something was going wrong and it falls under the purview of the house ethics committee but that would necessarily require that a congressman be involved question mark but i don't know does it is it because dixon and jaws were hanging out with the lobbyist guy is it because the lobbyist guy and the food guy were talking like it seems shady but it doesn't seem like a violation of anything it just it's it was really vague and weird and i And here's the thing, the very worst thing that the house, like, I mean, I guess they could vote to remove you, but there's like a whole like process for impeaching somebody from Congress. Like Mm -hmm. there was a congressman that got censored by the ethics committee, maybe like eight or 10 years ago, literally all they did was stand up and say, we're censoring this guy. (laughs) Shame on you. And
1: that's right. Like, I think that we all, with the last, you know, four, six years, whatever, we know nothing is ever going to happen to anybody. Nobody has any balls. There's no teeth in anything.
0: Who cares if these lobbyists were having a party and there were ladies there? Like, nobody gives a shit. But, I mean, I wouldn't give a shit. There's Joe constituent. So, my congressman was actually Elijah Cummings until I moved, and then he died, and now- Mm -hmm my congressman is some guy who I don't know anything about. And if somebody told me that he was at a party with a lobbyist, I'd be like, okay, cool, fine. I
1: mean, I would be more surprised if someone told me my congressman wasn't at a party with a lobbyist.
0: Yeah, you think he was a loser and that he didn't have any friends. They don't want to hang out with that congressman. So Maryland, I think, has seven congressional districts and six out of seven of them are filled by Democrats. And one of them, which encompasses the Eastern Shore and some other parts of like not urban Maryland, there's this guy, his name is Andy Harris. He's he's a douchebag. He's the only Republican congressman from Maryland. I like to think that he eats dinner in the cafeteria by himself. Everyone else in Maryland is like, "Mm, you can't sit with us. Sorry, Andy Harris. Why don't you just go sit over Uh there with Georgia or something? Go sit with Marjorie Taylor Greene. (laughs) Oh, God. I was wrong. It's eight congressional districts. Pardon me. But still, only one Republican. So
1: super fast. So, okay. So I I guess last kind of discussion question. Do you think that... Thor and Diana's relationship was a conflict of interest.
0: Oh, yeah. Really?
1: uh, She's uh,
0: she's an administrative assistant. Yeah, but she's like Jessica's BFF, right? She's boning the law or the environmental guy. Conflict of interest, no big deal. They mention it and then they kind of brush it aside. She's not the congressperson, but she's in the office. Like she could feed him proprietary information. It's like Joe's secret SEC, babe, beating them stock tips, like that kind of thing. And even if it's not like officially forbidden, I feel like people would look askance at it. I just didn't
1: find that to be a conflict of interest because we have, Oh God, what is the, what is the Supreme court justice? Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas, his wife, she's not a legislator, but she What
0: am I talking about here? No, no, I know what you're talking. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause she did like lobby and raise money on behalf of like certain issues that actually ended up being before the Supreme Court that was actually Thomas didn't recuse himself. When I was this was in law school, the Federalist Society, which is this big conservative, like originalist type, they they purport to be originalists. They put up a a poster for their group that had a picture of Clarence Thomas. At the time there was a there was a black man who was on death row and they had exonerated him, due, or they had community sentence due to lack of evidence he was in the news. And the poster said, some people say convicted murderer person is a hero we choose our heroes another way and they have a picture of clarence thomas and somebody wrote a note on it that said clarence thomas refused to recuse himself from Mm. a case involving an issue that his wife had lobbied on behalf of a violation of the ethics and government act of 1978 real stand-up hero yeah
1: yeah He's
0: a waste of a of a seat. He he took fucking Thurgood Marshall seat. Mm. I think that Clarence Thomas is a shit weasel, and I think that he is using his position. He's abusing his position. But I also think Diana shouldn't be boning. What's his name?
1: Well, I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one. I say okay. bone away, Diana. Bone away. Did you
0: like this episode, Laura?
1: So... Before our discussion today, I think I would have given it six ashtrays, but now since we've kind of talked about the laziness of the writing, I I think I'm going to have to go with five ashtrays.
0: Are you reading my mind? Because that's literally (laughs) the same reading that I'm giving it is five ashtrays because I liked parts of it Mm -hmm. and I feel like it could have been good if they put a little more thought and work into it and it also like seemed to contradict itself at a lot of points so that that bugged me five ashtrays across the board for this one yeah so who are you giving the golden grady award to i was thinking joe but then he turned out to be the murderer so i was like nah you know grady wouldn't murder anybody i think i'd have to give it to thor just because (laughs) thor kind of seems like a bumbling idiot doesn't quite know what he's doing but he seems to like stumble his way into good places and he seems well-meaning enough he doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with him i
1: i had to give it to dumb dixon because like i just don't know why he was even in the episode he was he might have had like five lines he he just he didn't really serve much of, of a purpose
0: And he just looks dumb. Bless his heart. The term suit as an insult. They look like he was the guy that insult was invented from. When you (laughs) call somebody a suit, that's who you're talking about. Do you want to talk very briefly about next week's episode? I Um,
1: don't because I don't know anything about it. We're on (laughs)
0: lucky number 13. Ooh. And this one is called broadway malady Mm. a broadway legend's life is threatened after her daughter is seriously injured in a mugging oh okay that sounds complicated i guess (laughs) this this doesn't really give me a lot of info to go on what i'm looking at but i guess i guess we're gonna find out so that'll be interesting stay tuned we're going to be launching a website soon so keep an eye out for that and also we have been re-editing some of the earlier episodes to make them a little less amateur hour-ish so if you feel so inclined you should go back and listen if you feel like it and also review and subscribe and all that fun stuff
1: yes and remember stay woke
0: stay woke